I've asked my wife to read the scripture this morning because she reads well and she reads a lot of these funny names a lot better than I do. So just being honest. Okay. So the passage is in Joshua 24. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you. As did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will, whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Thank you. So apparently today we're going into African church mode, so we should be here for another hour and a half or so. Are you guys ready for that? Great. So I've got the privilege of being able to share about Jesus in our home. I'm sure you would have picked it up from that, that last statement of, of, of Joshua, where he declares, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And just before I get going, I just want to say welcome back to my middle son. He's back. He's around here somewhere. He's probably hiding away at the back, but he's... Hello, Ben. So, I was reading a whole lot of stats when um, Dave said I must preach on, on this, and if you look way back to, from 1970 to today, um, if you look at the stats of our families across the world, um, you can see where the decay is taking place in society, where two out of three marriages are falling apart, where 20% of children or 20 to 30% of children are living in homes with two parents. And amazing how the focus all of a sudden becomes our country, our nation is a mess, the, the government is a mess, etc., etc. But I really believe that all of that is just the fruit of the decay of what's happening in families. If we really want a strong nation... And if we really want a strong church, we need strong families. Families is the first community that God created, man, woman, and children. And if we really want our churches and our nations to thrive, we need to be praying, God, send revival to our families. And when I talk about families, I'm not just talking, I understand that there are many, there are probably many single people here. There are many people that have perhaps been widowed or lost loved ones. But all those constitute 
family. And there's no one size fits all. But it doesn't matter what circumstance and family we might find ourselves in. The reality is that we need Jesus to become the center of that. And I would like to just basically begin the series this week and, and just to lay a platform for, for, you, for us as a, as, as a body of how can we do this? How can we do it better? Because church, we need to do it better. The reality is that we as a church, and I'm talking universally, we as a church need to stand up and say, no more. The devil is having a field day with so many families and situations, and the attack is real. We just need to look at our own nation, and we see the amount of families where there's absent fathers, where children are, wake, are, are growing up without dads, often without moms that are present and willing to, to, to sow into their lives and call them out as young men and women. And we need to be able to, as a church, to begin to change this. So if I look at Joshua, Joshua had come through and there was all these battles and different gods and they looked at the ancestors and he basically, God said to him, yes, everything, choose what you want. And Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that is the first thing that I believe that we as, as Christian and godly people need to say and state in our families, that we are making a conscious choice to say, you know what, we will choose and we will serve the Lord. And it's a constant decision. It's a, it's a, it's a decision, it's a commitment that we need to make. It's a, it's a commitment to say, God, I'm prepared to put my hand up as moms and dads, and hopefully the children follow. Well, if the parents do, the children will follow. We need to put our hands up and say, God, we choose to follow you today. We choose. doesn't matter what the past has been. You know, the past is the past. As long as we learn from it, we can't erase it. We can never erase the past. But if we, do, if we choose not to learn from the past, that is the sin. We need to say, okay, whatever has been before, doesn't matter what circumstance and family you've grown up in and been a part of, you can make a choice and say, you know what, from today, we will do something different. And Joshua did this. His choice was to serve God. His choice was to say, Lord, I will follow you and my family will come with me. And I've heard people saying, oh, but you know, the challenges in Joshua's day or in the Old Testament and even the New Testament are different to today. Yeah, they probably were a little bit different. But the heart of man has always been evil. There's been evil across this earth for all, all these years. But you know what? If today's challenges are greater, how much more so do we need to be saying we will serve the Lord and we will be able to do this? We want to do this and we choose to follow God in this. So I really believe that if we want to, if we say, God, we want to, um, to have this home and this house following you, we need to be able to lay down and learn to follow as parents and that we're making Christ the head of the home. Just as we do in the church, when we say Jesus is the head of the church, we need to be doing that in our homes. We need to be in a place where we, we do not substitute 
our families with church, with schools, with work, with whatever else. You see, what I believe has happened, because church has got bigger and bigger, which is amazing, and love it, we, we, we love getting together, we love doing what, this, what, what, we, what, what we do here as a body, but this was never meant to substitute our role and our function in family. Church was never meant to be the main point of where your children learn about Jesus. Church is meant to build on top of the foundations that you are laying at home. Church was never meant to be where we only hear one sermon a week, and that's our relationship with Jesus. Church is meant to be, you know what, we come to build on top of my relationship with Jesus. That is what church is meant to be. Church is meant to build on top of the foundations and the roots that we put into our lives and into our family and into our home as we go along. Jesus needs to be the center of our house and our home. Jesus needs to be in that place where our children know that even if they make mistakes, that the home will keep pointing them back to Jesus. Your children need to know that God is a God of forgiveness, that God is a God of grace. God is a God of standards and boundaries, all those things, but there's the truth and the grace. And we need to be modeling that in our relationships at home. If you're single or if you're married, if you're a bigger, whatever, if your family's 15 or 12 or two, it doesn't really matter. The principles of God remain the same. So how is your home? Have you declared? Have you chosen to follow Jesus? One of the other things that um, in 2 Samuel 6 to 9, the second point that I have is, is that we in our homes, we need to welcome the presence of God into our homes. So if we could put up 2 Samuel 6, 9 to 11, please. Focus, Rose. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. I love this passage when I was like starting to unpack it and stuff because... It shows you if we create a space in our homes where God's presence can rest and be, our homes will be blessed. You see, I imagine these people, when David brought the ark there, every morning they wake up and they know God is in the house. Literally, the ark was there, the box 4 by 2.5 by 2.5. There was a box in the house where God resided. How would we behave at home if we knew every morning we wake up and we go to the lounge and there's the, oh, God's in the house. Quite different, don't you think? Or would you be the same as you normally are? And that is how, for three months, that house was blessed because God was in the building. And I absolutely loved it. And I thought to myself, yo, how often and how much time do we create a space where the presence of God rests in our home? There's peace in our home. And I know whether when you've got little ones, it's chaos most of the time. 
But even in the chaos, there can still be the peace of the Lord. I'm very blessed. I must say, I'm, I'm extremely blessed because I've got, well, two of my sons play on the worship team and are worshipers. And it's such a joy when I get up in my old age and I'm staggering down the passage because of injuries and everything else. And you get down to the bottom into your lounge, into my lounge, and I just see the two of them laying on the couch with worship music going. Or I come home from work and it's been a long day or something, and I walk into the house, they don't even know we're home, and I just hear guitars and electric guitars going in the, in the music room that they've, they've developed, and because they just love to worship. And that's such a privilege, that the presence of God is there. You know, it's not like they're having this intense worship session, and it's intense, intense, intense. It's just they're offering up what they know to worship to God. Now, not all of us are as talented in that and we can play instruments like them, but it's, are we creating space where we are worshiping with what we have at home? Are we in a place where all that I am, God, I give to you in our home place, in our workplace? The reality is for, the, for, the, for this family that, um, that David brought the ark to, there was a box that just consumed them because God was there. The reality is if we think in our lives, there are boxes that we have in our home. I'll just give you a couple of examples. Most of our chairs face one, normally on a wall. Huh? None of you got TVs, huh? Or we pull out another one that's on us all the time. It's like, yo, Focus. Who's the next email? Who's, who, who's messaged me? Oh, flip, I haven't got any messages. Who's my next Facebook character that's liked something I've put on? We get obsessed. Or we have our laptop, and we work, 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 work at office. And then, oh, geez, I better go home now because my, my dogs are going to attack me because I haven't been home much. And then it's like, go home, and it's like, oh, okay, let me just work some more. And we're in front of that box. There are other boxes in our lives that have taken the place of Jesus in our homes. And I'm not anti-TVs, I'm not anti-phones, I'm not anti-working, I'm not anti-any of that. But what I am anti is we blame all sorts of things for the decay of our nation, of our society, and everything else. But as Christians, we don't boundary the world and the mess coming into our homes. Dave always talks about the boat. There's no problem with the boat on the ocean. It's meant to be on the ocean. But when the ocean starts filling the boat, there's a big problem. And we need to be taking out that water, freeing up our space in our families where God can rule and reign in our church. One more thing about the Ark before I go to my third point. The Ark of the Covenant had three things inside of it. And the first one was the two stone tablets, which was the law of Moses. Roughly translated, it's the word of the Lord, word of God. And it's the word that's meant to be in our homes. 
The second thing was the jar of manna from Israel's wilderness wanderings. We ate some of that this morning, which symbolizes God's provision in our homes. And the third thing was Aaron's budding staff, God's ordained leadership in our homes. And I believe that if we place the presence of God, God will restore this and awaken us up to understanding that the word of God is what we need to stand on. It's a word of God that speaks truth into our lives. It's a word of God that leads us where we need to go. When we understand the jar, the man, understanding that, you know what? It's not our workplace that is our provider, but God is our provider. When the presence of God is there and we know that his presence is there, and when times are tough and it's very tough at the moment, is our first port of call to turn towards God and say, God, you are my provider. Do you put your needs out to him? And the, second, the third one being Aaron's staff, God's leadership. Are you allowing God to lead you in your family? And then are you taking on the leadership in whatever capacity that is? Are you leading in the home? We need to be leading our homes, leading our children and our wives or husbands in that context, and leading our family towards Jesus. And then the third and final point is called this build an ark of salvation in your home. In Hebrews 11:7 it said by faith Noah when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. We need to understand that as believers and as Christians and as followers of Jesus, our first priority, our main priority, needs to be our family. And we need to create every single situation or circumstance or platform where our family know that they're the priority, that they can be saved by the grace of Jesus. And if you're not sure what your family or, or what your priority is at home, a great test for you. Ask your children. <laughs> they will be honest with you. Trust me. They will tell you if your work is your priority, if your friends are your priority, or what's your priority. Ask them. Do you connect with them? Do you tell them about Jesus? Have you explained the word? Have you explained things? Have you supported them? Have you encouraged them? Have you called them out in all areas of their lives? You see, Noah couldn't force his family to get onto the ark, but he could create a thing and encourage and support that hopefully they would climb onto the ark. You cannot save your family. You cannot. Because they get older and they have to make their own decision and their own choices. But what you can do is you can create a place and build an ark where they know, because they know, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not saying they need to be perfect. No kid is perfect. No parent is perfect. But if we create a place where we know about the grace of, Lord, of the Lord, and we know that Jesus comes to save us, Jesus comes looking for us, longing for us to join him in this relationship. 
if we invite Jesus into that space where it's not just this random thing, but he's part of the family, that helps us to set up a home where our children will know who Jesus is. One day our kids leave home. One day our kids have their own experiences. They might leave, go to different nations, different places. We need to trust that the ark that you, or the thing that we've built where they can discover Jesus and know Jesus, that it's deeply rooted in their hearts and their lives. So I want to close with five things that you can do and how you can initiate God in your home. The first one is exalt the name of the Lord. Exalt Jesus. Put him at the center. Put him first in your home. Example Christ-likeness in your home. Parents, if you want your children to be, you need to model. That's the bottom line. Encourage faithfulness in your home to relationships with one another. Faithfulness to God. Educate your children in the ways of the Lord. And establish godly values in your home. And underlying all this, let them know that with all the truth comes grace. And in all of this, keep pointing back to Jesus. That despite the situations and the, the, the tough things that young people particularly have to face right now, let them know let them know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is waiting them. Jesus is alongside them. Jesus is leading them. And his promise was, I will never leave you or forsake you. So when they make mistakes, know that he won't leave them, forsake them, but he's calling them back. Always a picture of restoration. And we model this in our families, whatever we want the church to be, whatever we want our nation to be, we need to model at home. Amen. Can I ask the worship team to, to come up? I've asked them to close with a song. And I know we, we like in, I know Dave and I were in Methodist church a long time. I know many of you were in the Methodist church and stuff. And they used to always used to say a blessing after the service. Do you remember that? Maybe some of you didn't. But this is a song and it's called The Blessing. And if we were, and, and, and my heart this morning was that we can sing this over one another and sing this in our families, sing this just over your family. And I'm sure sitting here, many of you know or have family members that have drifted away from Jesus. You're struggling with perhaps your mother, your father in relationship. Maybe you're struggling with your children in different circumstances, different ages, whatever the case might be. And I really believe that, that God wants to restore our families. His heart is for family. So as we sing, I want to just create space for you to feel free to come up. And if you're wanting prayer, come up and, and just 
worship. Sing this blessing over your family. Yes, Lord. Come up and allow God just to minister to you. And then if if you're standing around and you see someone up front that you would like to stand with, and just pray a blessing over and just see what God wants to say to them. Just create, create a space where ministry can just, just happen. I know it's been long this morning, but you know what? Sometimes we need to just sacrifice a bit of time and give God the space to do what He wants to do. Feel free to stand if you want.
doubting that God is for you and he's for your children and your, their children and their children's children I invite you to come come forward and pray the coffee shop will be open and you're welcome to go and have some fellowship together as well but if you want 